Today, we are on our last Sunday in Epiphany, before we start Lent in the coming week. We have been paying special attention to how God is showing us who God is through Jesus Christ in this season. And today is a big narrative, the transfiguration. In fact, the content of this reading stands alone as a holy day in the church each year in August. It is interesting to consider who the transfiguration is for. And by transfiguration, in the Greek here, metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis, we mean a change, a change in form. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on this passage, suggests the meaning of the word is a change in inmost nature that may be outwardly visible. The transfiguration brought pre-incarnate glory to them. I'm going to say that again because that's a lot of thought. The transfiguration brought pre-incarnate, before Jesus came, glory to them. All of them. Jesus in the inner circle of the disciples, Peter, James, and John. The veil has been pulled back. This brought greater identification of who Jesus is and of the reality of eternal life. As Jesus was transfigured before them, Jesus was quite tangibly with Moses and Elijah, both of whom being archetypes for the law and the prophets. Jesus is more than the law. Jesus fulfills all prophecy as Savior. Further, the presence of Moses and Elijah provides a tangible framework for our continuity in eternity. We continue and we remain identifiably who we are in glory. This moment is a turning point in Jesus' self-disclosure. When we put this text next to our Old Testament reading, we glimpse together the experience and symbolism of the mountain and mountaintop. Both Moses and Elijah received revelation from God on a mountain. The mountain is a place of revelation, the showing of God, and off the mountain is real life, daily life. A part of this showing in our narrative is a preparation for the disciples so that they may continue to live without the bodily presence of Jesus. C.S. Lewis, in his final, final book of the Chronicles of Narnia, portrays this beautifully as Aslan speaks. The lion says, here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so down in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take great care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearance. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. For Jesus, the transfiguration may have given Jesus confirmation and encouragement as Jesus began to talk about his coming suffering and death. In the text, it reads, Jesus was transfigured before them, implying it was for them, God's pre-incarnate glory and assurance of eternal life, a revelatory experience. In our Exodus and Gospel readings, we see God showing God's self through cloud, fire, 
voice of thunder and cloud, and here in our gospel reading as a human hand on the shoulder bidding courage. Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. The thing actually to be afraid of came up in the previous chapter. We start today with the phrase six days later. Six days before, people were demanding signs from Jesus. Peter declared Jesus as the Messiah, you are the Christ. And Jesus first told the disciples he would die and help all of humanity for all time. Then into all of this, Jesus taught on how to follow, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. It probably took them six days to recover enough to hear more, or they were still overwhelmed. It is here Jesus takes them to the mountaintop, perspective, unmediated presence, giving them confirmation of Jesus as Messiah and a brand new sign of new and eternal life after physical death. They have certainty, but certainty and understanding and things sticking are not the same thing. And then for, and for them in real time and for us now. Peter, sorry, it makes me laugh. Peter, after encountering the transfiguration, says, let's, I'll, let's make some dwellings so everybody can stay and hang out. Uh, he's, he's thinking probably of the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, which is soon in their calendar. And it marked them being pilgrims, called to remembrance, wandering, and provision. Maybe Peter was trying to take this crazy experience and put it into something familiar, assimilate it into something known. Perhaps that was why, on top of everything else, God speaks. What really may be considered a clarification or a redirection. This is my son. Listen to him. Peter compromised the magnitude of who Jesus was by his statement. And God, in God's love and grace, spoke it plainly. Undoubtedly, Peter knew something significant and overwhelming was being revealed, but it does not mean that he fully understood it yet. And this is after Peter is the one who declares, you are the Messiah, the Christ. As I said, this text is a turning point in God's self-disclosure. And it is a turning point for the disciples, a confirmation, a crystallizing of conviction that Jesus is the Messiah. And we heard that in Peter's epistle today. He's writing decades later about this experience. And he writes, we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. We saw it. As we consider this narrative and the sense of conviction and certainty that Peter and James and John were privy to, it is interesting to consider that even in the moment of being in the presence of revelation from God, they did not fully grasp it or take it in. And though they were certain not too long after this narrative, as Jesus is betrayed and is suffering, they will all bolt. They know that they know that they know that Jesus is the Messiah, and they will desert him. Only briefly, but in fear they will leave to protect themselves. Certainty in our actions do not always match. Revelation and understanding do not always come at the same time. I think for us as we consider this, it helps keep us humble. We know that we know that we know that Jesus is the Messiah, but it does not always affect our behavior and choices. We know that through sacrament, which we receive each week here at the rail, God reveals God's self to us 
as we remember we participate in the mystery of Christ's body and blood, but we do not fully understand, even though we are in the presence of God revealing God's self to us. We need to take care and not, and not make truth smaller as God shows God's self to us. Not be quick to yell out like Peter did, let's build dwellings. Let's make something tidy that fits into our understanding. We can all relate to Peter a bit in responding to big truths and God's revelation to us. As we see our humanity, our limitation, and our lack of understanding and lack of consistency, we also see God's grace. God knows us, created us, and God loves us. God does not interact with us as limited, but pulls out all the stops to reveal God's self to us so that we may know that we know that we know that our God is a God of love and power to save, that God is full of grace and forgiveness toward us. That's a pretty great angle to tip toward Ash Wednesday this week. Thank God for God's faithful extravagance toward us every day, all the time. Amen. <laughs>